Hello and welcome to the Music and Film Saves the World podcast. I'm Chris Rice and today we have um, what I hope is a first of a series. Um, and I'm with a new guest today, my good friend Ian Rivers. Hello, Ian. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm right, yeah. Good, good. Excited. So, Ian, <laughs> so Ian's a, been a good friend of mine for 25 years, over 25 years now. He's... Um, head of media at a, a college in Birmingham and he's done some radio work in the past as well haven't you back in the distant uh-huh. days friends for 25 years five years to get to convince me to do this <laughs> I've, I've told him I've told him you'll be really good at it and I, 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 I guilt tripped him into doing it so he is and uh, what we're doing is I've, I've asked I've been asking some friends to look into 10 either favorite songs films or albums which are their favourites or mean something to them? So I think with you, your, with yourself, uh, Ribs, you've decided to go for ten songs that mean something to you. Um, yeah. So what, what, how have you sort of come to uh, choose okay. your list? So first of all, I've been very honest. Yeah. Um, and there's a few bits where perhaps some, oh, this can sound melodramatic, but you know, I've, I've just been honest. So I've, yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, as a result, there's some, there's a few guilty pleasures in there. Of course. There's a few songs that people will go, really? Um, <laughs> but they just happen to be 10 songs that mean something to me is what I do. They're not just my 10 favourite songs. Um, they're not 10 songs that you'd say necessarily are kind of critically acclaimed and held yep. up there as being like classics or anything like that. Um, I've just chosen 10 songs that kind of mean something to me um, and... I'll probably change my mind on some of them. Um, it's <laughs> about, always the way. Always the way. Um, I can go. Th- I mean, do you want my near misses? Yeah, but oh yes, yes. Show us your near misses because that's that's always difficult. It's always like when you get to the tenth, you're like, I could choose another three or four here. So you sort of start off with these things, and you, there's a, there's a few in there that, I, I, as I'll mention when we go through, we're kind of on the list straight away. Yeah. And there's a few bizarre ones, and I, I, I think this shows that I've thought about this, Chris. <laughs> as, as I say to Mrs. Ribs. I if I do anything, I want to do it properly. Yeah. No half measures. No. Right? No. So a few here that I've jotted down here that almost went in there. Um, Stone Roses. I'm the resurrection. Uh, okay. Great song. I only missed out because it doesn't really mean that much to me. I just yep. really like the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is random. Carly Simon. Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> oh, what? Nobody does it better. It's a great yeah. song. <laughs> That's it. Um, so yeah, nobody does it better to give it to course, from the spy love, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the Beatles, Let It Be. Well, that that that's probably my favourite song, actually, Let It Be. But uh, uh, yeah, Billy Joel. <laughs> just what one? <laughs> Not Uptown Girl. Please say no. <laughs> Billy Joel, just the way you are. Oh yes, it's a great song. Uh, yeah, and I put various here because it was from the the BBC commercial in about 1996. Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. And yeah, yeah. And the last one uh, was The Who Won't Get Fooled Again. Ah, great song. That gives you an, <laughs> that gives you an idea of how random some of them Yes, it is. And, and have you gone for the same artist twice in any occasions? Or no. do, were you trying to say, no, I'm only going to have one of each art of this Try particular to, artist? No. Uh, I, I don't it doesn't con- matter, really. I no, I did, I did avoid that. There was, there was probably one artist that was close to having a song in twice. Yeah. Uh, but most of these are just kind of now that there's no artist featured twice. Yeah, I mean, I know we, I mean, I I tend not to do that because the, I know the problem is if you really like an artist, you tend to like 
quite a few of their songs. So it's a bit of a, you could either clog up your top 10 with all their songs, but it's often then not necessarily a fair list because you're omitting ones that probably be in there. But either way, it doesn't matter. So let's okay. go. What, what are you going to, what are you going to go with first? Okay. So are we doing this as song and band and then reason why? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're not playing like, oh, what's the song? Let's guess. No, no, it? no. We're not going to do a guess that the tune. Clues are there. <laughs> the clues are Name there. that tune. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, my first song is "Somebody to Love" by Queen. Oh, I had a feeling Queen might be in there. I put this, and I, and I have thought about this. I put yeah. this first, right? Yeah. Because um, this is probably the first band I properly liked. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as a kid, and the first band I sort of really liked probably really started to kind of buy albums yeah watch like live videos and things like that um for the kids that's like vi- let's say live videos videos of live performance on vhs yeah. not yeah, live yeah. videos on <laughs> didn't exist on that old um so yeah so it's first song um i think it's probably one of their best songs yes yeah, from a sort so. of songwriting point of view um although like i said there's, there's loads to choose from and this would have been a band that I perhaps might have chosen at least one of the song. Yeah. Probably We Are The Champions. Right. Uh, why have I chosen it? I, well, yeah. So I, I like the song um, in terms of a song itself, in terms of songwriting and, and, and the way it's made up and constructed. I think it's one of their best. Um, and, but I also kind of like the lyrics. Um, I saw a documentary a bit ago about um, about Queen. It was one of those Queen at the BBC, and then there was a documentary yeah. afterwards. And uh, Brian May was talking about Freddie Mercury and how he always there was always bizarre how if they found it bizarre how he used to get lots of questions about his sexuality. Yeah, and they couldn't really work it. They were like, well, why? It's, it's yeah, and he and he just said it's all in the lyrics as far as Freddie's life is. And, he's, and, yeah. he, and yeah. if you listen to this song, it's all there. And on the back of that documentary. They showed, um, and I think it's a good, good version. They showed George Michael doing it at Wembley. Yeah. Yeah, for the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. And I think there was a lot of backstory to that at the time about his relationship he was having. Yeah. And so the, the message behind the song, um, I think we've all felt like that. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think it's very powerful. I think it's a brilliant record. No, and I think George Michael, going back to that Queen tribute concert in 92, I think that was on, I think... Um, or was it 93? But anyway, but George Michael's version of Somebody to Love, I think, was one of the only ones where really he nailed, could yeah. nail the vocals. Oh, because George Michael was amazing himself, but he could nail the vocals. And I think that's probably one of the only true, decent Queen covers um, yeah. uh, is the George Michael one. Oh, alongside Five, of course, We Will Rock You. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Of course. laughs> Yeah. But yeah, because I can remember, I can remember you used to have, because when you start getting into a band, especially a band like Queen, and I was a bit like that with the Beatles, is that you pick an, you get an album or a greatest hits, and then you've got quite a lot of other albums to go yeah. back and listen to, and it's always really good fun when you can do that, because obviously when you probably got into Queen, it was probably around the time Freddie Mercury died, if not a bit before. It's bit, not... it's bit, it's probably about, it'd have been about uh, late eighty, about eighty seven. Yeah. Like. Yeah, something like that. My mate, I had my, one of my best friends at the time, Mark. Uh, I think his mum and dad might have been into him. Yeah, he used to have quite a lot of their albums. I used yeah. to listen to them quite a bit. Um, but interestingly, I think what, what that sort of band that they've had so many anthems that get used at like sporting events. Yeah. Now, Another one bites the dust. We are the champions. We're all that kind of stuff. 
And so George is, because they're featuring like quite a few like kids films now, like Sing and stuff like that. Yeah. And my son George is kind of like, he started listening to some stuff and obviously he saw Queen at the, the, the Queen's Jubilee. And I'm playing him some stuff and he's going, oh, is that them? And, he, and he's heard the songs. Yeah, yeah. Of, in other contexts, but yeah. not realise them. They're just, they've yeah. got so many anthems. It's such a such a great bad catalogue. Yeah. I just think that's that's one of my favourite songs by them. Because I think, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. I think it's one of their best. And I think, and I think generally, if you went for the most loved British bands or the most loved bands in the UK, I would say Queen's a close second yeah. with the Beatles, if not at times above them. Um, the, the the greatest hits, the first greatest hits album is the best-selling album in the UK ever. Still, um, it's in the top ten at the moment again. I mean, it's just there, you know, because now you've got streaming. Everybody, they just all the greatest hits albums are just com- completely streamed all the time. And I don't think their their music is all is new audiences always accept them and love them. So yeah, okay. I can remember my brother. I think innuendos. One of the first CDs I got, actually, Queen's Innuendo album. Yeah, yeah. Early CD I got was that one. All right, I'm going to move on to another great band now, then. Go on, then. Okay, so my second choice is uh, Where the Streets Have No Name by ah, U2. Yeah, great song. Okay, now then. I was I was, I was, was really late getting into U2. Yeah, me too, probably, me too. That, yeah. and, and, and probably because they weren't Queen. Because you know, when you're a kid, you kind of get fixated with one yeah. thing. So a bit yeah. like... I loved all the Bond films as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know you've talked about on your podcast. Mm. And if you haven't heard that podcast, folks, go and listen to that. Podcast. <laughs> right. So I I used to love the Bond films. And, but as a result of that, I didn't really watch many other films. Yeah. Because they weren't Bond. I didn't really. Yeah. I, no way I didn't understand them or I wasn't going to. So I can remember my brother coming home with a tape from a mate, his mate at school going, I oh, listen to this. This is you too. And it might have been like Joshua Tree or Rattle and Hum or something. And I was like, all right, that's all right. But it wasn't Queen, so I didn't really yeah. listen to it. Anyway, so I was late getting into them, and I probably only really got into and noticed them with um, uh, the pop album yeah. and Discotheque, which I know is quite controversial in terms of wasn't exactly one of their best kind of thing in terms yeah. of it was, it was very different, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I kind of like the sixth form. I was probably a bit more open to it around that time. It would have been that that summer around '96 sort of time that came yeah. out. But, yeah. Um, but then, I, so off the back of that, I started getting into a little bit more. And I liked their albums, Early Noughties, so All That You Can't Leave Behind and How To Dismantle Atomic Bomb, those sort yeah. of albums. So I started listening to them more and enjoyed them. And then we went to see them, and this is probably why I've chosen this, Chris. Yeah. We went to see them, if you remember, on the Vertigo tour at Twickenham. Yeah. Right? And probably one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic gig. And I think the reason, one of the re- just as a little aside, one of the reasons one of the best gigs when you go and see a concert, there's always a few people there in a lot of, not all the time, there's always a few people there that are there because someone said, oh, we're going to see you two, we've got a spare ticket, do you want to come along? Or, oh, shall we just go that for a bit of a thing today? Yeah. As a result, they're perhaps not into the gig as much as like the hardcore fans that are kind yeah. of down front. But this gig, like Twickenham's three sides, isn't it all curved round? Yeah. And, you know, I, I can remember looking around the, the, the stadium quite a few times and there was nobody sat down. And right, right, I'm talking right up to the back back row. Everybody was going nuts, if yeah. you remember. So, yeah, so I chose this because from that gig, um, I, c- I can remember this song. Yeah. And I remember, I can't remember what was before it. I've watched the video of that tour. I don't know if it's the same 
if they did the same set list. I think they did like Pride in the Name of Love before yeah, this. Yeah, I think they. I think they. You to adjust their set list quite a bit. Right. They don't stick to it when they do their tour. But yeah. So I can't. I can't remember the song before, but it kind of petered out, and then there was like a bit of a pause, and then this song started with a little tingly guitar. Yeah. Because I'm forever, doesn't it? Like a little yeah, tingly yeah, guitar yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I was like, oh, it's, what's this? And everyone's, everyone's like cheering. And I was yeah. like, know what this is? You know, it sounds nice. And then I remember you turned to me and you went, what a song this is. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> it won't. And then, of course, then it like kicked in. Yeah. And everyone just went, when it really kicked in with like yeah, the bass, yeah, yeah. the cushion stuff, everyone just went completely nuts. Yeah. And uh, I think at the time there was, there was a lot of stuff. It was around that time of uh, Live 8 mm-hmm. and Make Poverty History and Drop the mm-hmm. Debt. I didn't tweet it at the time, but I've seen the live video of the tour. And they did yeah. when they had this playing, they had um they had all like the the, the flags of Africa yeah. kind of streaming, which I thought was what the song was about. But I was reading a bit ago. It's more about there's a little bit of that, but it's more about um not judging people on where they come yeah. from, going back to like Belfast and Ireland and things like that. So um yeah, it's a really powerful, really powerful song. But I have chosen it because of that moment really from, yeah. from that live performance. And where we're good. Good atmosphere at that concert as well. You know, sometimes, for example, Oasis gigs or something, sometimes you end up having to keep an eye on what the rest of the audience are doing <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather than what's actually being played. But I can remember being a really good atmosphere at that U2 gig. Um, and U2, for me, I, I've always liked them. They're not my favourite band. Because some people hate U2. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, they're quite, can, for some reason, some, like, but I've always liked them. I've never loved them, but I like them. But I do think that is one of the probably best concerts I've been to about one. And most people who've been to a U2 concert always put it right up there. Um, And I I had friends at school who loved U2. Um, Gaz, who obviously does a lot of podcasts with me, he he always used to love U2. So I used to sort of, I didn't used to own their albums, but they always used to have uh, albums they'd put on when I went round and stuff. So I think I bought Upton Baby was one of the first U2 albums bought, I bought, but I bought that a bit later on. Yeah, um, um, but um, yeah, no, great song. Great song. Good choice. But they're, they're, they're just, just aside there, I saw them interviewed ages ago and they were talking about their live shows and, and they asked them, it's probably, I think it was on tier five Friday, I think. And they asked them saying, uh, so it was off the pop. They said, well, if, if all the screens break, you know, that, that big lemon and glitter yeah. ball, that kind yeah. of stuff. If all that went down and broke, what would you do? And they just said, well, we can still do a gig. You don't need all that. But yeah. they're just one of those bands that make the audience part of yeah, their thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you say that some people don't like you too, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the music. I think it's just that they just don't like Bono. Yeah. For, for his, like, not necessarily his politics, but he could be a bit arrogant and a bit, you know, on Bono, yeah. look at me, sort of thing. So I think that's why people dislike him. But... I'd challenge most people to go to a concert of theirs with an open mind and yeah. not have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Because he, when we went, I think, even though there was flashy visuals and stuff like that, I think they had toned down that yeah, from their yeah. big 90s. Because I think I think Gaz went to the Zuropa tour, which was an absolute oh, massive. I think that was the one with the big lemon, I think. And... Um, and no, it, was pop with a, it was pop with a lemon, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two tours were absolutely sort of massive and glitzy and everything. And I Zuropa, think... Zuropa is the one that had like um, they had a big. I mean, this is cutting edge at the time. It's, yeah. It's 10 penny now. They had the huge video screen, and that I think they did something like satellite technology. So they rang people up during the gig. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Well, so they rang yeah. like people in America and the Pope and all sorts of random yeah. things going on. 
but at, yeah. T- yeah, at the time that was kind of yeah, yeah. and they sort of just they sort of just died that down a little bit so dialed it down a bit so when we went to see them yes there was a lot of lights and stuff but it was more about them playing i think than yeah, probably was, yeah. other tours had been right anyway your next one right next one so i almost didn't pick this and the reason i almost didn't pick it is because it's it's probably uh it's up there with abba's dancing queen for possibly being one of the most overplayed songs <laughs> in, in at weddings and student nights and at least 30th, 40th birthday parties. It's not covered Eileen, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that secret? Okay. Um, and it's and it's Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Ah, yes. Okay. Of course. So I say almost didn't pick it because of that. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't really leave it out because not only is it, you know, I think it's a brilliant song, first of all, but I really like the, I've, I've used this at, at college teaching music video and stuff. So I really like the narrative of the song and I think it resonates with a lot of people. You know, we've all been there. Yeah. You know, when you're young, you're out there, you're trying to meet people, you really like someone and then you sit there in a nightclub while they're like, you know, off with somebody else and it's yeah. a bit, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think, I think that sort of now, most people kind of would have experienced that in their life at least once, you know, it happens. Um, so I really like that sort of, that sort of storyline. Um, but it just gets such a reaction when it's played anywhere. Um, yeah. It reminds me of um, our friends Mel and James as well at their wedding. Because I know yeah. they, big so- I know they really like this song. So it reminds me of like post-university, but still seeing uni friends nights type thing. Yeah. Um, various weddings I've been to are normally pretty drunk at. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, I'd, I'd, the album, it's, it's such a brilliant album. I almost, I've done this, we did one of these sort of type things at college once. I'd almost chose a different song off the album because I think it's as debut albums go, it's it's up there, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's a great, it's, it's a great it's album. It's absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Album. You pick it's one of those albums you could pick like maybe five or six songs easily. Yeah, that could be hits or were hits yeah. or just are oh, brilliant. There's no like weak album tracks fillers. It's just brilliant. It's, it's, it's a very British album from an American band. They actually yeah. were bigger here first than they were in America. And every single Killers album, original Killers album, has gone to number one in the UK. I mean, they've had a number one out. They had an album out last year, went to number one. So they're still almost from this album. They still have have got that popularity. And the reason why often a song is overplayed is because it's good. Well, yeah, <laughs> People well, yeah, like it. Not, but you get sometimes you get a, fed up with it, a song, but often that's right why a song is overplayed because people like it you know djs don't put songs on that people don't want to listen to so um well djs play this at weddings because it's a nice hybrid between sort of pop music and kind of indie stuff so if you've got yeah. a wedding where you've got some lots of people that like sort of like a bit of guitar based music yeah you could, you could play this after a fairly sort of like dancey sort of pop type track yeah. And then you can play quite a few guitar-based songs off the back of it. You can play Mr. Brightside, then you can play a bit of Oasis, Kings of Leon. We've all been to O'Neill's, Chris. It's, it's what happens, isn't it? So that's, yeah. that's like the standard set list. Well, it's one of those things. Switch where... on the mind chucked in there for good measure. Yeah, switch. Mean, you know. Yeah. The, um, yeah cause it's sort of that, like, look, there was a slight resurgence of bands in the mid-noughties. And I think that they're like Kaiser Chiefs and Coldplay yeah, were yeah. incredibly popular and stuff. And... Um, Arctic Monkeys came along, and I think Killers were in that sort of wave of that. And um, I, I mean, I I've always liked Killers. I I like their latest album. I think it's really good. It's different from what they've done before. Um, but this debut album is 
is a definite is a definite it's got great it's one of those albums that almost every track's really good and that's yeah, and that's um very rare and uh but no great song okay right number four um this is an odd choice this is okay <laughs> if, if i if i redid this list in about six months time this would probably get bumped <laughs> but again it comes back to moments in time and and, and like story behind it yeah. um something a bit different now for you chris and this is uh born slippy by underworld ah okay that's another, yeah it has another but it was a another song that especially in those old uh uni days used to go so, down well in the nightclubs well this is it now i kind of hated this <laughs> so when it's when it's first come out Quite often, I just like this is come on, I'd, and that would be my time to go to the bar or for a piss, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but um, I heard it on the radio a few weeks ago, and I thought oh, it's a good song. That is, I, I, I sort of love the energy from it. I love the, the I love the different parts to it. The way it really just sounds, it still sounds brilliant now. Yeah. And it's a funny one because um, I'll talk about what I picked in a second, but kind of it, I in the nineties, I sort of hated dance music. To be perfectly honest, I was sort of. Mm. I just set my stall out as a kind of slightly arsy, grumpy teenager of no, there's no guitars in that. There's no bass or drums. I don't like dance music. I'm not going to like it. I want real proper music sort of thing. Yeah. I was a bit, probably a bit snobbish about it really, but, um, but I quite, I've gone, sort of gone back into some of that stuff and I, and I love listening to dance music from around that time now and, and yeah. current stuff. I, I've got quite into it, but there is a challenge. This, this, Whenever I hear this, it reminds me of before university. It reminds me of sixth form. Yeah. And it reminds me of Euro 96. Yeah. One particular moment where the game England played against Spain. They got a penalties, or is it like... We, That's the one. Yeah, that, we, we, it was yeah. nil-nil. We won on penalties, and, yeah. And uh, so that game against Spain, and we've gone around to... So my friend at school, Nadine, uh, she basically said to a load of us, I'll come around my house, we'll have a barbecue, we'll watch the game. Mm-hmm. We'd all gone around there, you know, all the lads together, all the girls together, as you do, all that. And uh, we watched the game. And then my friend Andy, he was one of those few people at sixth form that not only could drive a car, but had a car. Right. And he had, he had a, he had like a little mini Cooper. Right. Right. So he said, oh, I'll give you a lift. Let's, let's go home. I'll give you a lift. So we went from the Dean's house and there was, I think Andy was driving, my mate Sam in the front, and it was me and like at least one other, maybe two of the squash in the back. So it was in this mini and all the windows open. We had a St. George flag like tied to the roof. Right. And I can remember we drove, we drove through Sutton, the town, big up Sutton Carpet, we drove through the town centre. Of course, all the pubs are like rammed and everyone's yeah. walking about. It's yeah. really hot. Loads of people watching the games in all the pubs. And then we were just driving through like a load of hoolies with all the windows down, the flag on the roof, and this just like blaring like massively loud, honking the horn, everyone's like <laughs> cheering to going past, you know, it's coming home sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so that's what I chose. I think I, I really like the dance, I really like it as a record now, I listen to it. Um, I got their, uh, their best of a few years ago, they've got a best of them, it's 90, it, got it here actually, 1992 to 2012, it's like a compilation of stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just shows how you, you hate something at first, but then you sort of come back to it a bit later. It has that opening, that opening sort of keyboard part or that opening sort of riff yeah, is so yeah. instant. So Absolutely. as soon as that goes on, it's no sort of what's this one. As soon as that goes on, 
it always makes and it's, it's just makes those different parts good. of the song because it's got the yeah. little synth bit at the time yeah. and it's got all the sort of stuff and then it does, it's got the, it does change quite a bit does, with the dance record it's not too it's not that the, repetitive it does change and it's got the lager 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 bit and then yeah, it's got yeah. the and it's got that one bit which really like heavy drums, yeah, it's like yeah. quite a heavy percussion bit, yeah. which in nightclub just sounds brilliant. If it's yeah. really like loud, it's yeah. yeah, top tune. Anyway, okay, yeah, next one. Right. Okay, so halfway through, number five. So this, so this was probably one of the first songs I put on my list. Right. This was a dead cert. This would not come off it, and it's whatever by Oasis. Oh, why did you go for whatever? Right. That's the first first that's the song that got me interested in Oasis. Well, whatever. So I kind of forgot about this song. Yeah. It's not on an album. 20, until about twenty years after it had been released. Yeah. And and what happened was, um, I'd not long started at college and I was driving to work. I was I was only working hourly paid, so I, I had a lesson that started about eleven o'clock or something. So I, I was driving to college and uh I put as I pulled up on the car park. On Radio 1, Joe Wiley was on when she used to do mid-mornings. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. And she, this took me ages to remember this feature, but she had a feature that was called Changing Tracks. Okay. Right, yeah. And the idea was that it was a bit like when DLT used to do our tune in like the 80s. And the idea was that people would ring up and or write in with a song that had kind of, for want of a better word, changed their life or... So you get people ringing up saying, oh, I broke up my boyfriend and I felt really heartbroken. But as I sat on the train, I heard this song and it made everything OK. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or this is the song that was playing when I first met my, my current husband or whatever it is. And then um, so someone rang in and played about this. And they cho- I can't remember the story behind it, but they chose this song and she played it. And I can remember just sat in the car park and I got a bit emotional, to be honest. And it just like brought everything back from... Yeah like sixth form and university to be honest um and i think a lot of my songs do relate back to sixth form university because that's like your formative years isn't it yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, it is, a lot yeah. of happy memories you tend to pick a lot of stuff from there probably um, and it just brought everything back and it and i think the other reason and as i listened to it it made me think of that time i always think of um i always i think it kind of encapsulates what was happening politically around that time as far as young people concerned yeah you know you and me would have grown of the age where, until '97, I'd known nothing other than a, a Tory government, yeah. and for a lot of that time, only a Thatcher government. Yeah. And you know, I'm not being massively political about it. I, I, I get why things happen and policies, but there was that sort of underlying thing of, as a young person, that, well, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and that's your lot. Yeah. Whereas around that time, and there's there's a whole sense of optimism for young people. Yeah. Where, and you know, with so when Labour came to victory in '97, and this song about you're free to be whatever, whatever you want to do, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't got to do what your dad did or your mom did. If you want to go and w- go to art college, then go. If you want to be in a band, fantastic. Want to go to Australia? Get on a plane. Good luck yeah. to you. So I think this song is really of the time in that sense. It really encapsulates that. Because a lot of early Noel songs. Uh, off the first two albums and the b-sides all around the time is a lot of them are about getting out of manchester getting yeah, away well, from yeah. it. you know there's got to be something better out there you know that's what we you know we we, we don't want to be stuck here and a lot of them are that sort of trying to get away from where you are half the world away is a very similar song about all that um and um <laughs> 
And I think when they did get famous, I think then that sometimes a little bit <laughs> ran out of things to write about a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but the um, yeah, so a lot of the early Oasis songs were like that. And whatever I think was the song that got me into them, I'd sort of definitely maybe I'd heard a couple of the songs, but I wasn't that. I was more of a blur person. But yeah. um, when I heard whatever and had it had the B side, half the world away is a B side. I mean that's ridiculous had <laughs> some of the beat the master plans of b-side as was acquiesced but you had half the way and you sort of think oh actually this this could be quite a good this sounds like they're really good I remember buying definitely maybe and then things sort of then shifted for me to be more oasis but and it took once again a bit like you it took you too but with oasis it took me a little while to get into it um which gaz and i've spoken about on our oasis one but uh i think um whatever is a great song an underrated song because it was never on an album it was probably sometimes overlooked a bit um i mean it's on the hits album but uh it's not it wasn't on an album they didn't put it on morning glory it wasn't on definitely maybe so did they do yeah. it i've got a feeling i you know when um you know when oasis did that um mtv unplugged and Liam was like sat in the audience just drinking Guinness. I think they did whatever person. in that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure whatever was on that. And I think yeah. that was one of the, that that kind of reminded me of doing it. Did they play at Nebworth? Because you went you went to Nebworth, didn't you? Yeah, I think they did play at Nebworth. Because yeah. they still stopped. I think not long after Nebworth, I think they stopped playing it because Noel was never a fan of it. Okay. But I think I think they have brought both Noel and Liam on their solo stuff have brought it brought it back um a bit so uh but i've always liked it i can remember it's because I, cho- I chose it that's what yeah that's all well if ian rivers likes it then uh, we better start performing it again but no whatever's a great song six minutes okay. it's a long it's a long song at all yeah it is long song but i think it's a good song right yeah. okay so next one i would sort of say, i wouldn't call this a guilty pleasure as such okay but i did almost leave it off because it's not cool and if anybody listens to this that knows me, they'll probably take the piss at me for this. <laughs> but I'm I made a pledge I was gonna be brutally honest. Yep. Okay, so I'm gonna be brutally honest. Okay, so number six is For Your Babies by Simply Red. Okay. I've been disappointed if there wasn't a Simply Red on this right, one. Right, now I've chosen honest. this. So this th- hear me out. So I've chosen this because it's the first band I saw live. Yeah. Okay. Uh on their stars tour. Yeah. Which again, going back to what I was saying about you too, regardless what you think of Mick, regardless what you think of the music, as a live act, they are fantastic live. And I'm not I'm not apologising for that. No. I want the best live bands you can see. Well they were, I don't know what they're like now, but they're absolutely amazing live. Really, really good. And again, nobody sits down. Yeah, you know, three songs in, two songs in, everyone's yeah. up, everyone's yeah. dancing in the aisles. Voice bit like we talking about freddie mercury earlier yeah what yeah. a voice what a voice live all live no like you know auto tune rubbish just can do it can cut the, yeah yeah brilliant yeah. um so i think a few things to say about this really in terms of in terms of songwriting you think about like the art of crafting a song yeah and lyrics tune and everything else i think it's probably their best song yeah everything. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because if you listen to the lyrics and then put it in the context that when he wrote it, he didn't have any children himself. Yeah. It's quite remarkable, really. Yeah, if you listen yeah. to like the, yeah. the meaning behind the song, um, it means a lot to me because it reminds me of my relationship with my own mother. Yeah. Right. And a bit former then, mother, my own mom. <laughs> um, because, you know, 
I've been really lucky in terms of my parents. You know, they weren't rich, but I never want, I never really wanted for anything. You know, I had what, what pretty much what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, yeah. But that, that wasn't through them being rich or wealthy and just like chucking money at stuff. It's because they made sacrifices for us. And did, um, did, do you think they, they, do you think they influenced your music tastes? My mum and dad. Yeah. My dad didn't. <laughs> 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 uh, my mom did. Well, but, yeah, my mom probably did because she liked. You know, I mean, she liked the Beatles as a teenager, uh, and she, of course, she liked Cliff Richard as a teenager. And then she got into Simply Red like late eighties to a friend of hers at school, and that's probably how I ended up going to the gig. To be honest, she probably yeah. said, oh, "I want to come," because I'd have been uh, about fourteen or something. Yeah. So she said, "Well, I'll get you a ticket. Do you want to come along?" So I just went along with my mom and dad, which I know yeah. is a bit a bit sad, but you know. Um, so yeah, so, but then, but I think now it, it means a lot to me now because as a father of two, when I listen to the lyrics, it just captures what I think means to be a, a parent, um, and the sacrifice and the commitment that you sort of should have or do have. Um, before we came on this call, I said to you, I think the kids are trying to kill me. They're driving, <laughs> driving me nuts, but but I'd still do anything for them and yeah. I'd still be there for them. Um, but I think when you listen to the lyrics, you know. Some of the songs about uh, there's a lyric that says, um, anyway, the four winds that blow, they're going to send me sailing home to you or I'll fly with the force of a rainbow. And this bit, I think is great. The dream of gold will be waiting in your eyes. It's that that look you get from your kids when. They recognise you, that you're their dad or their yeah. mom sort of thing. It just it just captures that. I just think to be able to write those sort of lyrics without having kids yourself. I think it's quite a, I think, you know, I think that's pretty good, really. Yeah. So that's, that's why I've chosen it. Well, I think, and I also think people underestimate now looking back at Simply Red, and sometimes bands become a victim of their own success in, in some respects. And I think people forget how big the album that For Your Babies on Stars was in the beginning of the 90s, especially when you're growing up in the 90s. I mean, I had friends who were probably cooler of music tastes who used to listen to REM, Nirvana, etc., which all but they also had simply red stars. Oh, really? <laughs> so what's the, you know, what's, it was, isn't it? What's the, you're, you're good at stats. What's the stack? Wasn't it sort of like number one consecutive, like Christmas or something? Um, like, it was, like, it was, best, something it was like the best selling album, 91 and 92. That's it. Um, that have done that. No. So it was best selling album of both years. Um, and then they had a break and then they came back with their first number one single fairground and life was quite a big album as well. So, they they were a big band simply red and that stars album was absolutely massive and and it was one of those that had broad appeal you had teenagers at the time because simply red was still a youngish band yeah. buying stars but it also appealed to parents so that's and that sometimes is when the sort of the uncool tag starts coming onto a band because if your parents like a band you and but I, I knew a lot of people at school had that album on tape but, like, but that's, and, that song I've chosen is like yeah. It's a great song. Yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. It's it's like soppy song that parents yeah, yeah. to illustrate your point. But on that same album, there's some stuff like something got me started. It's quite dancey. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some brilliant there's some brilliant remixes of that kicking yeah. around. Yeah, no, no, it's I th- I think Stars is a great album and it's a that's a, a good song. And I would have to say I would have been disappointed if you didn't have a simply read one on there. Just being honest, do I see? Songs mean something to me. Right. Yeah. Okay, number seven. <laughs> We're not scraping the barrel here, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe this wasn't the best time to put it after that one anyway um 
Okay, so number seven. This is a guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> this is this is better the devil you know by Kylie Minogue. Oh right, you got a Kylie okay. one in there. Right. So I I love Kylie. Uh, yeah. From 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 quite <laughs> as a boy basically. Yeah. But I didn't really want to admit. Man and boy. Kylie. Man and boy. Man and boy. <laughs> I've been there for you, Kylie. Um, <laughs> she listens, you know. She listens. She'll be a, she'll appreciate it. <laughs> I said she listens, Kylie. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I can remember actually, I could, and when I say I was a bit embarrassed, I think because however old I was, I'd have been like what ten or something, uh, and I don't know. I can remember, I can remember this one night bizarrely where I think she was on like some sort of chat show, like Wogan or something. Yeah. And I was a bit embarrassed to say to my folks, "Oh, can I watch Kylie on Wogan?" So I was, <laughs> I was like, "What's it upstairs?" Um. Anyway. Um. So yeah, through now I started to love love Neighbours, and then I should be lucky in the first Kylie album. But I've chosen this because I think when it means something, I think it's a great pop song. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant pop song. It's a real floor filler if you're out somewhere at weddings and nightclubs and stuff. Um, it I've, again, I've I've taught this at college. Um, where we've done music video, and we talked about how I think it was quite an important song for for her as an artist. Yeah. It because it, it was very much that shift from girl next door. Oh, it's her from Neighbours, and suddenly it was like that shift to kind of quite sexy Kylie. Yeah. You know, and, and it was still written by Stock Aiken and Waterman. I think that that early '90s period, actually, where they has all shocked and um, step back in time, all those sort of songs, a slightly shift in her music a little bit. Still poppy, obviously, but a little bit of that. And, and actually, I think people have sort of gone back to those songs and gone, actually, they were pretty good. <laughs> I think it's a great pop song. Yeah. If you watch the video as well, it's kind of yeah. You won't be surprised now. I know this video well, but you know, she's got this like pink wig on, and there's there's a lot of midriff on show and like hot yeah. pants and stuff. And then she's also wearing this like little black dress number. Yeah. And and quite often throughout the video, that the, like the shoulder strap just like. <laughs> and I can just remember thinking as a kid, oh right, okay, that that's a that's a slight. And, and then at the end, there's like this huge black guy, big muscly yeah. black guy, and he just wraps his arms around her. Yeah. And and that was. That might sound a bit daft now, but at the time that was quite a shift. Yeah. For as an artist, it was a bit of a you know. Yeah, yeah. Going out with Michael Hutchins, that's what's. Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, well, that he's credited with the start of Sexy Kylie, and then <laughs> obviously from there to like gay icon and everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I mean obviously Kylie Minogue is as it's sort of her longevity is unbelievable, really. I mean, she's still getting number one albums. She's still incredibly popular doesn't seem to age and um yeah no i mean and and she's had all different stages tried all different types of things and um yeah i think uh you know i quite uh, well one the one i've always liked that sort of when she sort of moved out of the stock ache and the mortem and those first couple of singles that she released after that yeah, um, yeah. confide in me as i drop my mic confide in me and um put yourself in my place i always really liked those two yeah tracks as well so and uh, then obviously she she sort of went away for a bit trying to be a bit indie that didn't work out quite so much but then she came back and did what she did best does best sometimes you just have to do what you do best of course. and that was with pop and spinning around and um can't get you out of my head really sort of cemented her her as carrying on into this century so you can't beat a bit of kylie riffs there you go right <laughs> So we've got three we've got more to go, have we? Three to go, I see. How exciting. Yeah. Right, so... <laughs> right, it's, it's, so this 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 one is... Uh, yeah, this this is one of my first picks. Yeah. 
Uh, and this is Common People by Pulp. Ah, another uh, well-played track from the uh, mid-90s. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen quite a few documentaries on um, about Britpop in recent years, because obviously it was like anniversary, wasn't there, fairly yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, and I think someone said, I probably agree, People, have, this has been described as kind of one of the most important songs of Britpop era, as yeah. one of the major kind of players. Um, and it's, if you listen to it now, it's just... It's very much of the time in the year. And I was talking to your, our friend uh, Gareth about this at uh, your yeah. birthday, I think it was. Oh, yeah. In the fact that when you listen to songs of that time, especially like Pulp, um, the, the lyrics just reference real places, real people, yeah. real things. Yeah. I, when I was out in the car earlier, and this is nothing against the band, but um, Bon Jovi was on the radio always and it's yeah. like you know i'll love you till the end of time we'll hold hands together or we'll go off into the sunset blah 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 yeah jarvis is there talking about we'll have a bacardi and coke we'll go to the supermarket yeah. and she studies art at college real like yeah, one, yeah. yeah one of his other lyrics about wood chip on the wall isn't it some of his other songs yeah, real yeah. like bare observational stuff about britain and about yeah. life at the time yeah which is quite refreshing yeah. And, and a lot of the Britpop bands did that. And that's probably yeah, why that's that sort of was so sort of move and, and almost like culturally our sort of music taste moved away from all those American bands who just were yeah. a bit more generic. And we had all these bands that were sort of talking about their lives growing up. Yeah, it all just it all just resonated with yeah. the people that were buying records at the time, didn't it? I suppose, yeah. looking back. Um but I also like the the meaning of this song and, and I this is my interpretation, but also around that time, there was quite a lot of stuff, if you remember, about well, it's really cool to be working class. Yeah. Oh, go and be working class. That's really cool. Yeah. Look at Oasis. They're working class. Yeah. Paul McCartney's calling himself working class. Oh, yeah. you know. And and there was all that kind of like it was, it was almost like a trend to be working class. Yeah. But if you listen to Luke's the song, well, the reality is it, it could be pretty shit being working class. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, an extent, yeah. you yeah. know. And, and and that's that, you know, if you called your dad, you could stop it all, you know, because you think that poor is cool. Well, it's not yeah. cool. It's rubbish. Yeah. Um, you might still love people and have good things in your life, be happy with your lot. But it, and I think that's quite a powerful message, really, that that, that the band or job is sort of addressed. Yeah. Um, but and, uh, yeah, so. And the whole album, the whole album basically is like is is about that. Yeah. I mean, it's called Different Class for a reason. So, yeah, yeah it's. So I, I, I like that. I really like the message of the song. I'm gonna say I really like that it's 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 genuine and real. Um, and and also I love the video as well with Jarvis's little improvised dance routine yeah. and Sadie Frost in the shopping trolley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, funny it, enough, it took me a long while to get into Pulp. Pulp was the one that everybody seemed to. I loved all the Britpop bands, but Pulp was the one that I could never quite get. And it was always it was like a years later sort of early noughties i think i picked up pulp's hits album just in a sale or something and i was like i was like, I, I get it now i get it <laughs> i don't know why i i, I just it, i couldn't quite get them at the time but those those albums are great it, you know and even the one before different glass his and hers is a really good album um, well like a lot of people and i'm sure loads of people have done this i think everyone oh common people different class brilliant yeah buy that buy that album and then someone goes well they've got about another three four albums before yeah, that yeah. And they've been going like about 20 years or something yeah yeah they, they've got like so everyone goes um, back and buys the back catalog you know there's like three or four 80s albums which are odd they're odd um i, I can remember someone at school having like they whatever the record label was it was a different record label they'd compiled this 
pulp best of because obviously pulp had become popular and somebody had this because they loved pulp they are and his voice sounds completely different. The songs sound odd. It's nothing, but his and hers, even Jarvis Cocker said his and hers is like, in some respects, the first pulp yeah. album. And uh, there's good songs on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember the Do you remember the first time? I think it's a brilliant song. Yes, yeah, Babe. yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they only. I mean, this is hardcore. Came out uh, a few years later, and. Um, they had another one early noughties and then that they called it a day. But um yeah, it's a great song, great album really. The whole album's brilliant. I think I think in that documentary about Britpot they were saying they went from playing a Sheffield pub to like literally nobody. And then twelve months later they were kind of on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury and you yeah, know yeah. just completely took off. It's just one of those things. Some bands just has it's yeah. just that time and they're just right place, yeah. right time. The, the song resonated with the audience all and it just took off yeah just, and this you know. disco 2000 <coughs> played in the radio to death it, was, yeah. it really was <coughs> as the common people was on there a lot as well okay so what's next right number nine so <laughs> this is a bit of an odd choice um so about 10 years ago i decided and i set my stall out that this is my favorite ever song okay <laughs> Which is which is a bold move, but you know when people say, "What's your favourite song ever?" Yeah, no, it's hard. Started. So I just I just about ten years ago, so I'm going to choose that one and I'm going to stick <laughs> with that because I think it's a brilliant pop song. Yeah, and I do like you know, so that's it. Um, and the song is "You to Me Are Everything" by The Real Thing. Yeah, I was. I, 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 you, which you had it. You went. You had it. You went. Well, right. You? So, um, and I'll probably change my mind on it being my favourite song ever. No, no, I won't actually because I think it's a. I think I think it's such a brilliant. Yeah. Like, pop records fantastic um so it reminds me first and foremost of um so this came out i did a bit of research i wrote it down so i think this came out about 1976 something like that right about number one in 76 i think um so, so but it reminds me they used to play when i used to go it reminds me of going to the to the west Brom matches as a kid with my brother and my granddad so i just started going there in about 84 85 and they were still playing they used to play this quite a lot yeah. pre-match on the tannoy right and uh so it reminds me of that which of course is really happy times um i wanted it as our first dance at our wedding right. <laughs> <laughs> it, well this is one of several songs i want as a first dance at our wedding yeah. and um it won't surprise to know yeah if anyone knows my wife that yeah, i lost that battle um, <laughs> so but, is, but i did because it it's too bit. fast is it because it's too fast I just think she doesn't like it, to be honest. Oh. Yeah, probably. It is a bit, it is a bit fast. But, yeah. um, but we had it second. So I said to the DJ, right, that's our first dance, and yeah. I wanted to play this second. Yeah, that's what that's I did. Exactly which, what I did. Which, which, which is what he did, and it yeah. Yeah, we had a great time. So, so it reminds me of wedding, obviously. Um, and then as a song, when you listen to it, first of all, that um, he's got a brilliant voice. His voice is so soulful. He's from Liverpool, the band art. Mm-hmm. That soulful voice, British soul. Um, around that time and then when you listen to the makeup of the song like the bit like i said about um underworld earlier different sort of music but the introduction as soon as it starts yeah it just like kicks in love the intro the piano and then of that time when you listen to a lot of songs from the 70s those sort of like 70s soul disco type records um like the tabaris and bands like that you get it's all in there you know there's the big strings yeah there's a a key change two thirds of the way in uh, 
So I just think it's, a, I think it's such a good record. As, and you as could well pick as, out all the instruments in these in these older songs. You can, as absolutely, well. it's all there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And 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 also as a song, it's a night nice, lyrically, it's it's a it's a great song as well. But yeah, it's a romantic song as well. It's a brilliant record. It's a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's a great. I, I like the sound of a lot of those seventies records because you can pick out the instruments. And whereas now everything is geared for people to listen through an old mono a, a mono speaker. It's like people have gone backwards in terms of how they listen to their music and so therefore that's sometimes why everything sounds so sort of wall of sound but you know in the oh. 70s there was such a sort of distinct way of listening to stuff where you could all these pop bands would use real instruments a lot of the time and you could always pick out those instruments absolutely and i've well and, and yeah and it's how i suppose at that time it's how um i don't want to go off task too much but it's how um how how artists recorded songs changed yeah, yeah. so yeah we're talking about queen somebody to love that the choral bit the chorus bit as you know if you've seen the, the film Bohemian rhapsody yeah sounds like a whole choir and there's just three of them doing it yeah and they just laid it up and laid it up and laid it up and then you know a lot of bands you mentioned about simply red earlier their album home they recorded in their own studio and they recorded it as a band yeah as oasis would have recorded um Definitely, maybe. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. maybe. What's story more in glory? They, they weren't like they didn't just come in, play a four bars, and then just loop the bass. They, they, they stood around the room, mic'd all up, and they played the song as one take yeah. and a mix, almost like live mix stuff. Whereas now, you know, bass player goes in, plays a few bars, and then just that's it for the track. The computer's yeah. there. so you can you can definitely hear that in all the songs. It's yeah. as it, the way it's been put together. Yeah. Um, if I was being potential, I'd say it's much more organic, Chris. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that much of a muse there, like something. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, I think. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, is, um, so uh, is that number, is that your number nine? Number nine. Wow. Last one, I see. So, where, right, so where'd you go? Where'd you go at the end of it? Where'd you go at the end of the night? What'd you go? What'd you go to? So I'll put this. Bed. Bit. <laughs> bed. <laughs> go to bed. Go to bed. Or, or get your coat. Oh, yeah. These days, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> the end right. of the night's 10 o'clock. <laughs> Classic end of show closer, oh, I yeah. see. Just for you. I've gone. Never forget. Take that. Ah, classic. classic. So, and so that's what I'll put it at the end. It's perfect show closer. Yeah. Um. Also reminds me of like uh, our time at university together. Um. And you know, been been in like student clubs. Even now, you can play this at a wedding or something. Can people yeah. still move to it and dance to it and sing along to it and wave their yeah. arms because um, in, in student clubs when when rivers and i went started uni yeah. in 96 take that had been split up for about six months so at they were still sort of quite popular so um at our student club we used to go to that used to this used to close never forget always used to close the night it was the last song they played for probably a good year or so yeah, that first year yeah um as as and and that would have been the same in a lot of nightclubs across yeah. across the country. Bear in mind for younger younger listeners, two o'clock was going home time back then. Yeah, it was. Two o'clock, yeah. it was like off you go, time yeah. for a grab and chips. I don't know um, by then anyway, to be honest. Was <laughs> <laughs> I'm told nightclubs stay a bit longer these days, but I wouldn't know because I don't. <laughs> um, and so I think the other thing about say that is, um, like at school, secondary school, all the girls mad about take that, and yeah. I'm like, nah, I'm not yeah. having that. Boy yeah. band, I ain't take that until, yeah. and I can distinctly remember this. Um, 
There's a girl I used to sit next to in business studies, Kate Stokes. Hello, Stokes, see if you're listening. She um she was a mad take that fan. Yeah. And I can remember when um Back for Good came out. Yeah. And everyone's going, Oh, have you heard Back for Good, is that the other? And I can remember having this like battle with myself of wanting to say, That's a load of crap. Yeah. But actually, secretly everyone's going, That's actually a really good song. Yeah. That's a brilliant song. It's a yeah. brilliant record. I think and, everybody and they, did that. And they just went everybody. to that level of Yeah. Oh, okay. They're not just a boy band anymore. There's the good yeah. one. And I think, um, um, yeah, I remember seeing the first time I heard Back for Good was they played it at the Brits, which I think was one. Right. And, and they played it at Brits. Yeah, and, that, and that, unbelievably, was the first time anybody had heard it. So it hadn't been played on radio or anything like that. That was the first time we're going to ex- reveal our new single, which you'd never get with people doing these days. But anyway, um, and I can remember my mate had come round and we watched we watched the Brits and I was like, this is really good. This song. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember by I bought the album that that one was from. Nobody else and never forgets on it as well. And it was completely changed my outlook of Take That. Then they split up and obviously came back and then sort just, of achieved what they did. Just made them cool, basically. Yeah, it did. It did. Just took it to that cool bit. Yeah, it um, did. Then the other reason I've shown that is when you I love watching the video for that. It's so nostalgic, and yeah. it's kind of you, you. You watch in the video; it's just cut of lots of like images from their tour, behind yeah. the scenes stuff, yeah. sort of handheld camera stuff, of when they're like just asking around in between yeah. like gigs and things, sound checks and stuff, and screaming girls at hotels and the tour bus and stuff. And you, you watch that back; it's so nostalgic, and you just realise just again how massive they were at the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. their fans were just so fanatical; yeah, they just yeah. they couldn't go anywhere. And you, you watch the tour footage; you just and I suppose, you know, the song about, well, the song's quite powerful, Luke, as well, in yeah, yeah. context. So, but I thought that was good, uh, a good show closer, I see. Yeah, no, it's a great one. And probably they, they came back even bigger than ever. The best, <laughs> probably the best comeback any band's ever done, really, take that, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a great, uh, a great 10 songs. Nice and eclectic. That's what we want. <laughs> was eclectic? Yeah, it was. It's, it's, it's hard. If there are, if it, yeah, when you have a go at doing this, <clears throat> it's quite hard to kind of, he, you have to say his stall out is are you choosing 10 songs that mean something to you yeah or your 10 favorite songs or what you think your 10 like best songs yeah it's, it's, it's difficult yeah there's lots of other songs that are put in there if i was thinking more about a kind of melody songwriting yeah. great song critically yeah. acclaimed songs yeah but those songs are just 10 that when i listen to it just reminds me of the people i've mentioned and the stories i've told so yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you. And it's a good little playlist, good little playlist to put together that as well. So uh, there you go. Um, well, that's it, I think. We've got to the uh, almost an hour, and I think that's a, g- a good time to sign off. Thank you very much for being my guest today, Ian. You can come back again <laughs> if you dare. In about another five years. <laughs> well, I've only been doing this podcast for a year, but anyway. Well, but, um, <laughs> But um, no, that's that's fine. It's really good, and thanks for thanks for doing it. And you've been listening to Music and Film Saves the World podcast, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>